Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. my dear brothers and sisters fi islam and uh, welcome to this week's friday circle uh, before i continue can everyone who's logged on so far please like and share this video so everyone else and others can take part in today's uh, discussion. This circle is organized by members of the Hizb tahrir We are a global Islamic political party working to re-establish the Islamic way of life via the Islamic Khilafah based on the method of Muhammad Sallallahu in a Muslim lands. Inshallah, we will be continuing with the new thing that we introduced last week uh, where the Friday circle will inshallah investigate why Islam is the perfect alternative system to the corrupt, um, the current corrupt capitalist way of life. Uh, Anas Radilan, in the rights of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu he said, "None of you will uh, will have faith till he loves me more than his father, his children, and all of mankind." We have seen over the last few weeks uh, and heard once again the honor of our beloved Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu being disrespected with the reprinting of the of these disgusting cartoons. This has all been done under the pretense of freedom of speech, and many discussions have taken place with a fine line between freedom of speech, if it exists, and the freedom to insult actually lies. 
Today we have Brother Luqman who will be discussing if Islam is protected under the guise of freedom. Uh, Brother Luqman, Jazakallah for joining us. Pray your well, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, barakallah feek for having me on. Uh, and I'm looking forward actually to this Friday circle because it's my first one with you, Mr. Imran. Jazakallah khair. Uh, yep, good to be with you as well. Um, inshallah, Brother Luqman, we'll be talking for approximately 20 to 25 minutes. And once he finishes his discussion, uh, we will then move on to the question and answer section. Uh, I just want to say last week's interaction from you guys, our viewers, was absolutely fantastic. Uh, let's repeat the same today, inshallah. Um, so please get involved uh, in the discussion and get others to join in. So like, share this video. All I ask from you is to keep everything relevant to the topic at hand, inshallah. And on that note, Brother Luqman, over to you, inshallah. <coughs> أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب الشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل لقطة من لساني يفقه, يفقه قولي ربي زدن علما أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته So to um, continue from where Imran, um, Brother Imran left off I'm sure everybody knows last week Charlie Hebdo, the French satirical magazine um, it republished the same cartoons um, that it published in 2015, five years ago. Um, and I'm sure, you know, for those of you who were who were around um, and who are, you know, keeping up, up to date with what was going on in the world only five years ago, um, the Muslim world, and in fact, even Muslims in the West, um, protests erupted, demonstrations erupted, um, all against... Um, Charlie Hebdo against the insultation and the mockery of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So these cartoons have been republished only last week. Um, not only that, but a few days prior to that, um, in Sweden, there was a demonstration where the Quran it was burnt in a park um, by a few hundred far-right activists. And in fact, a few days before the burning of the Quran, you've had these online um, clowns wannabe intellectuals that have been not only ripping up the Qur'an online, but some of them uh, have been eating the Qur'an. That's right, eating the Qur'an. Um, and all this, these insultations, these cartoons, the uh, defamation of the Qur'an, um, it's been under the pretext, under the guise, under the excuse that human beings, or that these liberals have the freedom of speech or the freedom of expression. In fact, um, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, he said last uh, Tuesday that it was not his place to pass judgment on the republishing of the Charlie Hebdo cartoons, saying that France has, and I quote, freedom of expression. So, freedom of speech, freedom of expression. You see, the Western liberals, they impose their values on the rest of the world and they say or they believe that the default position of every human being of every so-called civil human being is the freedom to say whatever you want the freedom to express whichever view you wish to express now is this should this be a default position for all human beings yeah to have the freedom of saying whatever you want including insultation, including abuse, including mockery. Is that a value, um, you know, that kind of uplifts the 
the society that we live in today and everywhere else in the world. Hmm? It's a, it's a, it's a, everybody knows freedom to insult, freedom to mock is actually a very backwards value. It's not an enlightened value in the least. Yeah? Everybody has beliefs or um, values that are dear to them. And if they are mocked, if they are insulted, it, it irritates a human being. It makes a human being angry. So the default position um, for every human being or for every human being being's beliefs should be to respect those beliefs. Respect meaning the, that they sh- those beliefs should not be insulted, they shouldn't be mocked. Yeah, Intellectual discourse, intellectual debate, intellectual dialogue, no problem. Bring it on. We ain't scared. But insultation, mockery, abuse of not only Muslim beliefs, but anybody else's beliefs, that's not, that's not fair game. You know, there needs to be respect. There needs to be, um, you know, kindness showing, uh, shown within, within certain limits. Um, and in fact, this idea of absolute freedom of speech, I can say whatever I want to whoever I want. I can express whatever um, opinion or whatever, um, you know, belief I want to express. This doesn't actually exist anywhere in the world. Absolute freedom of speech absolute freedom of expression, it doesn't exist anywhere in the world. For example, and pardon my German, but in German law, you have something, bear with me, called Strafgenisbüsch, 68A, right? And that outlaws various symbols of, and I quote, unconstitutional organizations, such as the Nazi symbols, communist symbols, or the ISIL flag. So there's a bit of a contradiction here. There's a bit of a disparity here. On one hand, the liberal West is saying that you're free to express or to say whatever you want to express or whatever you want to say. And then on the other hand, they're limiting that so-called freedom. They've restricted that so-called freedom. Why? Because you can't show Nazi symbols. You can't show communist symbols. You can't show the ISIL flag, right? In German law. This is in German law. There's a contradiction here. Are you free or have you restricted it? And is it only fair game when you insult and abuse Muslims? The UK, for example, has a public order act about racism and about religion. And I quote, it says, a person who uses threatening, abusive or insulting words or behavior or displays any written material which is threatening, abusive or insulting, they can be charged with crime. Yeah, it's illegal within, within the UK law. Yeah, we're talking about the, the liberal West here. It's actually illegal within their own law. There's a contradiction here. You can't say you're absolutely free to say and express whatever you want on one hand. And then on the other hand, you're actually restricting that. You've actually just contradicted the first statement. Why? Because everybody knows absolute freedom of speech, absolute freedom of expression. It will lead to chaos. It won't lead to harmony. harmony. It won't lead to peace between societies. For example, if the white community, if the white community called the black community the N-word, are that going to lead to peace and harmony between the two communities? Oh, thank you very much for insulting me. You have the right to insult me. I have the right to be insulted. What kind of, what kind of backwards value is this? You know, if the student is being rude and swearing at the teacher in school all day long, is that going to lead to a, you know, a fruitful, constructive, productive environment whereby students can, can learn? Oh, you know, obviously not. Even parents, you know, imagine if children abused and cussed and were insulting 
to their parents? Is that going to lead to a stable family? Is that going to lead to a a enlightened kind of family? No, of course not. Everybody knows, even even the non-Muslim parents, what do they do? They teach their children from a young age to be respectful, to be kind, to be tolerant, to be, uh, you know, um, to show a certain amount of respect to other people's beliefs. Because this is just part of... Um, the nature of human beings, they don't want to be mocked or insulted about their beliefs. Um, so even in theory, even theoretically speaking, for argument's sake, if freedom, absolute freedom of expression and speech did, did exist, we still see that it is a flawed value. And in fact, it's a very backwards value. Um, and it's a, actually a very barbaric value of freedom of speech or freedom of expression. Now, under this guy's under, you know, this uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh, you know, we're just, you know, we, we don't really mean to insult or to mock or to rock the boat. We're just, we're just having a bit of a laugh. We're just, you know, uh, expressing our opinions. We're just expressing our, our um, values. And then, you know, they go on and they write and they draw these insulting and mocking cartoons. What can we do about it? What does Islam say about it? First of all, I'd like to say Islam, as well as every other ideology, it seeks to protect and preserve its main beliefs, its main values. For example, the main factor that the Western capitalist nations seek to preserve overseas, external from its borders, is material benefit, some kind of economic benefit. Um, it doesn't give a damn about freedoms, about democracy, about human rights abroad, overseas. For example, you know, when when uh, Mohammed Morsi, when he came into power, democratically elected in, in uh, Egypt, when Sisi actually removed him and came via a military coup, you don't see the West open arms. You don't see the West going uh, berserk and condemning that. You know, when, when uh, Muslims have been killed in Burma, where's the, where's the outcry about a violation of, of human rights or about Muslims being killed in Yemen? You know, in fact, it's these very nations that are funding and that are arming Saudi Arabia to kill Muslims in Yemen. So the West doesn't really care about um, freedom or democracy or human rights abroad. The only thing it cares about, the only thing it's willing to preserve, even via force, is this material benefit. Um, and there are many examples of this. For example, Egypt um, and the British Empire in 1882. The British Empire uh, had a long um, trade route. If anybody knows the map by heart, I've, I've got it behind me, the map. You know that Britain, to get its spices and its trade from the Indian subcontinent, it'd have to go around the Horn of Africa and then it'd have to, you know, uh, get to the Indian subcontinent that way. However, with the Suez Canal, you can just go cut straight past the Mediterranean through the Suez Canal and you reach India. Yeah. So it's a lot, it's a lot more uh, economically viable for the British Empire. So what did they do when they found that there was some instability within that Suez region? They invaded Egypt. Yeah. Via force, military action. Why? To preserve their economic interest, to preserve their material interest. All ideologies seek to preserve that which they believe must be preserved and protected according to their own ideologies. Um, and there are many other examples of this maybe we can go through afterwards. So just like the capitalist ideology has certain 
certain values, certain interests that it will protect, that it will preserve, even via force, even militarily. Islam, Islam also has certain beliefs, certain values that it will protect, that it will preserve, even if that means it's got to resort to war. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ The translation of the meaning, uh, and surely you are indeed of a magnificent character. This is uh, chapter 68, verse 4. This ayah is talking about Rasulullah that surely you are indeed of a magnificent character. One of these core beliefs or core, core values in the Islamic aqidah is the honor of the aqidah itself. You know, the uh, glorifying the name of Allah Taala, protecting the honor of Rasulullah and the Quran. If we're unable to honor the very foundation of our aqidah, the very foundation of our creed, then there is no worth in living. But the real question is how? How is it that we honor and protect our deen from mockery and from insult? With, with the Western capitalist nations, they will take advantage of you if you are a pushover. If you're a pushover, they'll tread all over you. If you're easy game, they, they, they won't think twice before, you know, trampling all over you. For example, World War II, um, the US uh, nuked Japan. Yeah, two atomic bombs, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I'm sure everybody has heard of what happened there. Um, it nuked Japan. And that basically brought the end of World War II. Um, but when you look at the US's relationship with an enemy who was more of a threat than Japan, who was more of a, who was more of a threat to the US than Japan after World War II? It was the Soviet Union. But did the US, did they, did the US nuke the Soviet Union? No. The US nuked Japan. Japan could not retaliate. The US couldn't really nuke the Soviet Union. Why? Because the Soviet Union had nukes. Yeah? So the language that the West understands is if you're easy game, if I'm able to trample all over you, I will do. If I'm able to punch you in the nose without being punched in the nose myself, I'll punch you. It's a very, it's like a schoolyard bully. Yeah? Everybody's probably heard this example before. Yeah? But the schoolyard bully uh, bullies the weak kids, the loners, the, the kid who it knows no, it's not going to retaliate. Have you ever seen a schoolyard bully go up to the henchest kid on the street, the henchest kid on the yard? You've never seen that. Why? Because the bully is a coward and it takes advantage of those people, of those kids that I can't take advantage of. You'll see a schoolyard bully trying to take the money of the hench kid. You'll see the schoolyard bully taking the money of the weak kid. That's the way the schoolyard bully works. And that's the way the West works. If it thinks it can take advantage of you, it will take advantage of you. The only language that these people understand is to be met with, with force and to be met with strength. You know, an empty slogan or an empty tweet is not going to stop that. For example, when all this Charlie Hebdo thing kicked off, spokesperson of the um, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the, the Pakistan uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, he tweeted, Pakistan condemns in the strongest terms the decision by the French magazine Charlie Hebdo to republish deeply offensive caricature of the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That tweet means nothing. 
Do you think the liberal kufar are going to look at that and say, whoa, guess what happened? The Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Pakistan, they just did a tweet. They don't care. Empty threat, empty slogan. What's going to, what, you know, what is the Pakistan uh, government, are they going to retaliate? Are they going to start to uh, enforce embargo and military action on, on France, for example? No, it's not. Because they have the political willpower to do so. Um, the liberal kuffar, they need to understand, the states need to understand that expressing such vulgar material is an act of war. It is an absolute act of war on this ummah, and this ummah does not mind one single bit to give her life for the honor of Rasulullah Hence, the honor of Islam can only be met with an ideological Islamic state that is ready to physically fight, that is ready to physically fight to ensure that its beliefs, its dignity is not insulted and is not mocked. And this is the only way. This is the only way to actually protect and secure our beliefs and our values. And there are many examples of this. For example, at the time of Rasulullah himself, when Rasulullah was the head of the Medinian state, he said to the Sahaba, who is willing to kill Kaab bin al-Ashraf who has hurt Allah and his apostle? Hurt Allah and his apostle, meaning has mocked and insulted Allah and his apostle. Rasulullah is saying, who is going to kill Kaab? Kaab was a, um, one of the men from Banu Nadir, uh, whose mother was Jewish. And Rasulullah is asking the Sahaba, who is going to kill him? And one of the, the Sahaba, he he said, Muhammad bin Maslama, his name was Muhammad bin Maslama radiallahu anhu, he said, oh Rasulullah, I will kill him. Allow me, give me permission to say whatever I wish to say, i.e. give me permission to deceive him. Our Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa gave him permission and he went to Kaab and Muhammad bin Maslama, he was very, very clever. He went to Kaab and he said, oh Kaab, this man, i.e. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he has caused many problems for us. He has taken zakat from us. Um, uh, you know, allow me, lend me some money, lend me some money so that I may settle my dispute with him and, I, and then I will come over to you. So Kaab bin Ashraf, he said, okay, you know what? Fine, I'll give you whatever you need, but leave your women with me as a, a deposit. Leave your women with me as a deposit. Muhammad bin Maslama said, oh Kaab, how can I leave my women with you? When you are the most handsome of Banu Nadir, we're butchering him up a bit. Kaab, <coughs> the insulter, he said, okay, why don't you leave your sons with me? Muhammad bin Maslama radiallahu anhu, he said, oh Kaab, how can I leave my sons with, with you when it will be a embarrassment for them when they grow older that their father left them with a strange man? Kaab said, okay, what do you, what do you recommend? Muhammad bin Muslim radiallahu anhu, he said, why don't I deposit with you my weapons? Very clever. Very clever. Kaab bin Ashraf said, fine. You know what? I agree. Come tomorrow and, you know, I'll take your weapons of you. So Muhammad bin Muslim radiallahu anhu, the next day he comes with some other of the, of the Sahaba. They're all carrying their weapons. Kaab is not suspicious in the least. Why? Because that was the agreement. Muhammad bin Muslim goes to Kaab. <laughs> starts to take a bit of a whiff. What is that scent that you're wearing, Kaab? Do you mind if I have a closer smell? Kaab said, no problem. 
So Muhammad bin Maslama, he held the, the crown of, you know, the neck of Gab, held it, smelt it, got a good hold of his head, gave the signal to the other Sahaba, and they assassinated him. This is how, this is how a mucker and an insulter of Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa was dealt with in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa himself. Salah al-Ayubi, famous example again, and Reynold de Chatelon, he was the king of, the prince of Karak at the time. And Salah al-Ayubi, he had a treaty with two tribes who Reynold de Chatelon actually uh, stole from. He, he, he took their caravan and he stole from them and he said to them, Reynold de Chatelon said to these two tribes, if you believe in Muhammad, call him to release you and free you from this cap- captivity. And when Salah ad-Din in the Battle of Hattin, when he won against the Crusaders and he captured the King of Jerusalem and he captured Reynold de Chatelon, he handed a cup of water to the King of Jerusalem who drank from this cup and he handed the, the king handed the rest of the water to Reynold de Chatelon, who then drank from the cup as well. And at this point, Salah ad-Din al-Ayubi, he looked at Reynold de Chatelon and he said, it was not me that gave you the water. Rather, it was your king. And he had Reynold Chatelon executed. And then he looked at the king of Jerusalem and he said, it is not the custom, it is not the way of kings to kill kings. However, this man, Reynold Chatelon, he went beyond the limits. He went beyond the boundaries. He crossed that red line and he, what his crime of mocking and insulting Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that is punishable by death. And of course, we all know the famous story of Salah, uh, Sultan Abdul Hamid II, the late 1800s, the French are preparing to do a play, a live theater play of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa um, to which Sultan Abdul Hamid, he, he actually said to the French ambassador, to stop the play, or there's going to be trouble. And not only did the French government put an end to the play, they actually exiled many of the actors to Britain. And what happened? Britain, big Britain, they decided to do, to do the play instead. The Sultan informed them the same way, don't do the play, there's going to be repercussions, to which the British government responded in a letter saying, this is not France, we have freedom in our borders. And Sultan Abdul Hamid, he wrote a reply. Uh, I don't want to read it for you. He said, My ancestors gave their lives without hesitation for the sake and success of Islam. In this vein, I will decisively prepare an order to the entire Muslim ummah and inform them of your continued haughty attitude and persistence in allowing this disrespectful play to continue. You must now consider what will be the end, what will be the outcome of this order. And at this letter, at this injunction, Britain stopped the play. Britain grabbed its so-called, you know, freedoms, threw it behind its back, and it stopped the play. Why? Because it understood that the words of the Sultan, they were not an empty threat. The Khalifa is the protector of the Islamic creed. Um, And I think to conclude, it's very, very clear that the secular liberal states, they use the notion of freedom, 
to insult, to mock the Muslim Ummah. And we know through the nature of the Western states, that, and as well as many recent and historical examples, that the protection of the deen it can only be achieved through force or through the will to do so, through the will to physically secure your interests, to secure your beliefs, to secure your values. And we all know this can only be done via the Islamic political authority, the Khilafah. You need the backing of a military, need the backing of a nation. You need to be a powerful nation that goes to the, the representatives of these states and that says to them, if you ever dare even think about, dream about doing X, Y, Z, just know that there is going to be repercussions. These are not empty threads. We will, the Islamic Khilafah, it will uh, use force if necessary, if necessary, to protect its beliefs, to protect its values, especially the honor and the dignity of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And some people may ask, that up until we have the Khilafah to stand for the honor and to stand for the dignity of Islam, what is it that we can do to end such insults? But the real question is that without the Khilafah, what is it that you can do except to work for its return? Just like I say to uh, Brother Luqman for that enlightening talk, it seems when it comes to insulting and demeaning the Muslims, the justification is always freedom of speech. And these verbal and physical attacks will only stop when the shield of the Muslims, the Khalif, is at his rightful place of leading the Ummah in the Islamic State. Inshallah, let's move on to the questions and answer section. And alhamdulillah, uh, again this week, mashallah, a lot of comments and uh, quite a few questions are coming through. Uh, Brothers, sisters, please continue to do that. A um, few comments that um, I just want to go through, uh, Brother Luqman. So we have uh, Abdullah, Brother Abdullah Dawood, who's saying there's no such thing as absolute freedom of speech. Because if there was, then racism would be allowed. Verbal abuse would be fine. You can say anything you want. The whole idea is flawed. Why? Because free speech has a set of rules within it. Only the elite and the powerful can use freedom of speech for their own personal benefit. SubhanAllah, JazakAllah Khair, Brother Abdullah Dawood. Um, we have a comment from also uh, Brother Mutasim Sharif. He's saying the idea of freedom in the capitalist system is perfect, inverted commas. You're free to do what you want as long as you follow the rules and don't impinge. I think he means infringe on anyone else's freedom. Don't think that they understand what freedoms mean. How can you be free and have restrictions? Sensing a bit of a hypocrisy there. Then again, it's reflective of the decisions made by Boris the Decisive. Subhanallah. <laughs> um, now we do have a question. Uh, actually, before we go to the question, um, Brother Sajid Rahman, uh, I just want to read out his comment. Um, freedom in the West is selective, meaning when it, when it is used to insult Islam or Muslims, there is freedom of speech. But when it comes to exposing the hypocrisy, their crimes and atrocities, or even speaking out against the Zionist entity, you are labelled as extreme. Look at Macron, as soon as he was criticised by the press, we've seen how he turned his back on the so-called freedoms they love to bank on about, as uh, Brother Luqman mentioned in his talk. Um, we do have a question from uh, Brother Mutasim Sharif. Um, why are the rulers, and it's, it's quite, um, quite a powerful one actually, why are the rulers of the Muslim countries so, so quiet? 
when the honor of Muhammad وسلم, is being attacked by the enemies of Islam. What's your views on that, uh, Brother Luqman? Um, what do you expect? What do we really expect from the Muslim rulers? Um, in fact, they have been the ones that have been oppressing and killing not only um, the honor of Islam, the honor of our Muslim brothers and sisters in the Muslim world, um, but they're the ones that are actually keeping the Western nation in power over us. So what do we actually expect? I mean, the hadith, um, it comes to mind where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, that verily indeed the imam is a shield from whom behind you fight and from whom behind you protect yourself with um, and I've got a, a commentary here from uh, Imam Nawawi who says um, that only the imam only the imam the amir, the khalifa, the sultan of the muslims is the cover which prevents the enemy from harming the Muslims. Um, and harming the Muslims, this also includes insultations uh, and mockery of the deen. Um, also, you know how we say the rulers of, to the, uh, of today, the rulers of the Muslim countries, do they even represent Islam? In fact, do they even represent their people? They don't even represent the people on the ground, never mind, never mind trying to represent Islam and being you know, a vanguard and a protector of Islam and the Muslim. I mean, this is, you know, when it, when, it, when it comes to people, the rulers of the Muslim countries who are openly ruling by Kufr, who are openly, you know, backdoor deals with, with the uh, Western states today. When it comes to these kind of people, we, we should not even expect them, um, you know, to, to have certain repercussions. Yes, Erdogan and Emran Khan, they made a statement here or there. Again, very empty uh, slogan, in my opinion, just to get, you know, some kind of sympathy from 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 uh, the public opinion within within their countries. Um, but again, only the Imam, only the Khalifa, who unites the Muslim world, who has the backing of the Muslim um- Ummah behind him, who has the authority to gain the trust of the people to unify them, to stand as a force to be reckoned with, he is the only one. He is the only one that, you know, can bring true honor, true dignity, true, true protection to, you know, our, our beliefs, to the honor of Rasulullah wasallam. Anything less than that, bro, anything less than that, it will continue to be empty slogans. Um, and if, if you're lucky, you might, get a, you might get an empty tweet saying that we condemn, we condemn. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, this has been going on for decades now. It's not something new. It's, you know, a, a lot of ferocious, you know, the teeth may be shown and the words may be spouting out their mouths, but the actions, when they do have the capability, they have the power to actually go out and do something, um, I mean, they're just sitting on their laurels, just sitting at home doing nothing. So Jazakallah here for that, Brother uh, Luqman. Mutasin uh, Sharif, he has another comment. A lot of Muslims use the idea of freedom to express their faith openly and are happy to accept the idea of freedom. However, this is a trap that a lot of Muslims fall in because this very idea of freedom is the same freedom that is used to accept the LGBT community. And if you try to disagree, you will be called out because you use this premise to benefit, uh, to benefit you. But you don't accept the LGBT is hypocritical. We mustn't fail. We, sorry, we mustn't fall into this trap and use terms like freedom without understanding what these terms entail. Uh, Jazakallah here to uh, Brother Muzassim for that. Uh, we have another question. 
from Brother Jahid. Uh, he's asking, is killing someone who insults Muhammad Sallallahu justifiable? And I just want to add on to that. So I want to link it to the example that you gave of uh, Muhammad bin uh, Muslimah, Radhiwan. You know, this may seem to many, including Muslims, to be very extreme. And, you know, does it not feed into the uh, the current narrative of Muslims being bloodthirsty? You know, surely diplomacy and being tactile is needed in such situations. Okay, yeah. So so the, the questions are very similar. Um, firstly, like I mentioned in my talk, you have certain liberal capitalist nations that only, literally, understand one language. If you want certain uh, values or beliefs of yours to be protected, then that needs to be done in a way whereby which they know that the breaching that um, and going across that red line, it will have repercussions. So we're not saying that you always, you know, you go out fighting, fighting, fighting. No, it just means that if the Islamic Khilafah um, has the power, has the willpower, has the physical force to retaliate if, you know, uh, uh, you know, there are certain insultation, the mockery, and these people will know. For example, if, you know, if diplomacy, if peaceful diplomacy, or if dialogue, um, if that was a solution, if that meant anything to them, then in 2015, when the entire Muslim world went up in arms, uproar across the Muslim world, demonstrations, protests, didn't mean anything to them, did it? In fact, even when, you know, um, those uh, there was uh, the killing and in the Charlie Hebdo headquarters, you know, from those those three people who the 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 gunmen who went in and killed whoever they killed, even that, even that didn't stop them. I.e., you know, if if dialogue if dialogue and a cute little letter or a little tweet ended it, well, we wouldn't be in this position again. But what we find is five years down the line, those cartoons have been republished, and these people, these nations, these capitalist nations, they need to understand. Um, unfortunately for them, the hard way. Because they've had all the opportunity to, you know, be nice, to bring in laws, to protect the Islamic, uh, the Muslim community, etc., etc. But obviously it doesn't work, does it? In fact, and, and, we, and we find the same thing at the time of Rasulullah in Mecca. How much was he abused? Yeah, even he was known to the Quraysh as being a Sadiq al-Amin. He was known to be, to Quraysh themselves, as the best man within Mecca. Um, but they mock, they abuse, they beat, you know, the camel intestines, Abu Jahl, you know, uh, you know, swore at him, etc., etc. And only whether, you know, when it came to Medina, when the Muslims had that, that authority and that power, did all this kind of come to an end, you know? And we see the same thing today. Is it, is it, um, Backwards, is it, um, you know, does it make us look like blood, blood safety, um, you know, uh, um, you know, radicals? No, of course not. And like I said before, like I mentioned in my talk, every ideology it has certain beliefs and it has certain values that it tries to protect, that it tries to preserve. We see this time and time and time again. And I don't want to go through too many examples, but we see this, you know, in the Iraq war, in, in Syria, for example, you know, the number one, uh, the number one kind of factor for the western nations within syria is to make it remain or to you know keep it remaining as a secular state by any means necessary that means russia goes in russia goes in that means iran goes in iraq that means hezbollah goes in no problem mm. so where's the uproar you know these nations they also have 
they also use force to to cement their their beliefs or their ideals. Uh, and the Muslim, the the Islamic ideology is no different. Islamic ideology also has red lines. Yeah, yeah. It's Jazakallah khair, Brother Lukman, for that. Uh, we've got another question from Brother Aziz Ahmed. Jazakallah khair, young man. You said we have to work for Khilafah, Rasulullah sallallahu Sitting in Mecca, established the Islamic State in Medina by doing practical actions. What can the Muslims sitting in the West do in terms of practical action to say bring the Khilafah in Pakistan or Bangladesh? And there's another question which kind of interlinks with that question as well from uh, Shahan Khan. What is my responsibility on an individual level when I see the honor of our beloved being attacked? If I am capable to kill the fitna, would it be permissible? Okay, so true question there, but I'll, I'll, t- I'll take the latter um, first. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of you know, some kind of fatwa, etc. Obviously, I'm not um, uh, qualified in the in the least to give a certain fatwa. You know, if somebody's coming to me, uh, person X said X, Y, that am I? You know, is it blood halal for me? I'm in no position to say that. Um, what we do know and what we can see um, through the sirah and also through the Khulafa Rashidin and also through the Khulafa after them is that under an Islamic authority if the Islamic government gives uh, an order to assassinate somebody, to kill somebody, to even attack, um, you know, a certain army, like, uh, you know, the Battle of Hattin, or even to give threats to an entire nation, like against France and against Britain, it's allowed to do so from the Islamic authority, from the Islamic government themselves. Why? Because, you know, Islam, we're not, we're not a bunch of militants that go around, oh, said xyz and you said xyz so i'm going to take matters into my own hand and you know take action no we have a due process we have judges in islam you know um we have a certain um uh, a certain process in islam whereby if person a or nation a made a certain statement that is investigated and at the end of it all the islamic authority the islamic government they give uh, he gives the final verdict, and if his verdict is, if his verdict, is, let me be very clear here, if his verdict is that so and so needs to be uh, assassinated or that nation X, Y, or Z needs to be reprimanded militarily or economically or however be it, then that is perfectly fine. That is perfectly justifiable from his point of view, from his orders. Um, on an individual basis, again, I'm not here to give any fatawa for or against anything. Um, the first question, what can we do? Um, and again, even with this, with this second question, what is my responsibility? Um, it's not really, it's, it's about what you can do, right? So we are all, uh, accountable or we are all held, held responsible, um, for what we're capable of doing. Um, so nobody's asking us to, you know, get, jump into a, a pilot, a fighter plane and go and, you know, invade or attack nation X, Y, Z. Nobody's saying that at all. Allah Taala has given us a mouth we can talk with um, and he's given us aql, a brain that we're able to think with, that we're able to understand with. Um, And when it comes to re-establishing the Islamic Khilafah and even the the second, the second question about what is our responsibility, our responsibility, our priority first and foremost is to bring back the, this Islamic state, this Islamic Khilafah, so that attacks and mockery and insults like this will never happen again. Um, what is our part in doing that? 
Well, number one, we need to be vocal about this. We need to understand our deen. We need to read the seerah. What was it? How did Rasulullah get from you know, attacked and ridiculed and boycotted in Mecca to then being an Islam, you know, the head of the Islamic authority, the Islamic state in Medina. What was the process there? Do we understand the seerah? Um, and how Islam, how did the Islamic Khilafah, how will the Islamic Khilafah bring practical solutions <coughs> to the world today? We need to understand this. We need to be a part of this. And it's not just an individual work. It's a collective work. We need to be part of a group who is working to re-establish that Islamic Khilafah. For example, Hizb tahrir It's not the case that, you know, I'm sitting in the UK talking to my own friends about Khilafah and somebody else is doing that, you know, maybe in the Muslim world. No, everybody has a role to play. It may be that I have family members in Pakistan. It may be that students are coming to university, um, you know, from, from uh, high-ranking backgrounds in the Muslim world. It may be that we have certain link with certain imams, certain madrasas, or certain institutions that have links with the Muslim world. Um, and the very least that we can do, you know, like me and you, Imran, we are um, laymen. We are laymen. We're not ulama or we're not, you know, uh, politicians within, within, you know, the Muslim, within, within the Muslim world. We are laymen, but we have a responsibility. Um, that Allah Ta'ala has told us that his deen, the stab- establishment of his deen is a fard. Um, and our role in that is to understand how is it that this happened, that this um, was established in, you know, during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi What is it in this day and age? You know, do we understand the reality today? How can it come about? And you need to be a part of that work collectively with a group, with a jamaat like Hizbut Tahrir that is on this process. Um, and inshallah, via, via, via studying, via talking, by uh, being a dawah carrier and giving this message, we hope that Allah Taala He He lifts this this fard and this burden, you know, of our necks. Inshallah, Zakla here for that. A few more comments. With Abdullah Dawood, the word <clears throat> Islamophobia could be structural. The elite have free reign over such comments against Muslims and Islam. The attack on Islam is alive and kicking, and it, it can only be resolved by the resumption of Islam as a way of life, such as the stopping of such insulting plays and drawings like the Sultan Abdul Hamid II standing up uh, to Theodore Herzl by not accepting a single shilling to release release the beloved lands of Palestine for the British and the Zionists. Jazakallah here for that. Uh, Brother Majid Razak, mashallah, excellent talk by Brother Luqman as always, mashallah. Some very good points and really made me think about how the West very cleverly made freedom the yardstick of any kind of civilized society. Almost to say any society that rejects freedom will always be a backward and oppressive society. Yet it is the very societies that are oppressive. And inshallah soon we will we we will show mankind the justice of Islam via the Khilafah. I just want to pick on pick pick on that point actually. Um within the Muslim community itself, Brother Luqman, the word freedom you know, when I was growing up, uh, the word that was going around uh, at that time was it's a free world. You know, whenever like, I wanted to do something, I remember it quite clearly. And um, it's a free world. I can do whatever I want. You, you know, and now it's like, uh, you know, I've got the freedom to do whatever I want. You know, th- this term has been ingrained into the Muslim community for generations now. You know, do they do the Muslims actually believe in this word or is it just some, something that they kind of just accepted without thinking about it? <laughs> Yeah, so so when we say freedom, when we talk about freedom, we're talking about, 
you know, a, a creedal belief here. And that creedal belief, uh, that liberal position of freedom is that you have the absolute freedom to say, do, believe, express as you will. As you will. Now, if you say that to any Muslim, if you explain to any Muslim, is it allowed in Islam to say whatever you want about whoever you want? They will say, of course not. You can't say that your parents. You can't, you know, uh, uh, you can't swear full stop. I may hate to add. You can't be, <laughs> you can't, you can't do the, 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 these kind of things. If you say to a Muslim, you know, is it okay to uh, believe, as a Muslim, is it okay to believe in whatever belief you want to believe in? You know, they will say, well, of course not. It's obvious that it's not because Allah Ta'ala, Islam has set the boundaries. You know, we can't believe that LGBT, for example, is, is completely okay. We can't believe that there are 53 genders or 78 or, you know, it's increasing exponentially. A lot, a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah, however it's going, right? Um, but, but when the Muslim community uses freedom, um, I think what they mean is, um, you know, that we have certain options or we have certain choices that we're allowed to make within the remits of Islam. Using freedom in this way is fine, i.e., you know, I have the freedom to eat what I want, generally. Obviously, there are restrictions, pig and, and, and alcohol, etc. I have the freedom to choose which uh, color top I want to wear, black or blue or yellow or whatever it is. So using freedom in that, in, you know, in that terminology, that, 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 that's fine in terms of a choice. Um, but again, we need to be careful about when we say freedom, what do we mean? I want to be free. Uh, we want the we want Palestine to be free. Even when Muslims say this, we want Palestine to be free. What do they mean? They don't. They're not talking about you know liberal liberalism. They're, they're talking about um, they're talking about liberation, military liberation. That's what they mean. Um, that we want Palestine to be free. We want the Zionist forces to you know that for the occupation to end. Um, so again, we need to be clear. We need to be a bit um, careful about the terminologies we're using and. You know, we can, if we explain it in a certain way that when I say I'm, I'm, I'm free to do whatever I want, um, this is actually a creedal, liberal creedal um, belief. We need to explain that to the Muslims, is that we need to be very, very careful um, mm. with the terminology that we use. Yeah, and even understanding, you know, the, the freedoms, it's very important for the Muslims because it's, it's, yes, it is one word, but the connotations and what's linked to it is so much, mm. you know, th- th- it could... You know, it could be the, the, the difference between Jannah and Jahannam uh, in, in most cases. Yeah. Um, Brother Muhammad al-Sheikh uh, gives salams. Some people may say leaders of today don't have the qualities like that uh, of the Sahabas or leaders like uh, Salauddin al-Ayubi, uh, um, Abdul Hamid II, etc., etc. But at least some leaders voice their opinion against, uh, against this. Like you mentioned, Foreign Minister of Pakistan isn't something better than nothing. Imran Khan said, never will we have relations with the Zionist state. Isn't something better than nothing? If you can comment on this, please, uh, Brother Khan. Okay, yeah. So, um, interesting uh, comment. Let me put it like this, right? We say, we say as Muslim that the best role model for us to try and copy is the example of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa we say that the best generation for our generation to emulate is the Sahaba Ajmain. And we say that the best rulers for our rulers to try and live up to are the great rulers that we had in the past, like uh, Salahuddin Al-Ayubi, for example. So it doesn't make sense. I'll give you an example, right? It doesn't make sense for me as a Muslim to say, 
I'm trying to follow the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But because they were so much better than me, which they were, then there's no, then there's no point in trying. It kind of, it's like a paradox. It, doesn't, it defeats the whole purpose. It's like saying, well, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to read salah. But because he's better than me, I'm unable to read salah. You <laughs> person, what are you talking about? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with you? Rasulullah sallallahu was able to fast in a Ramadan. Or he was way better than me, which he was. But because he was so much better than me, I can't fast in Ramadan. Oh, I'm just a weak, my iman, I'm just a majboor. You know, it works like that. And in the same way, in the same way, we can't say that, oh, you know, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the best uh, uh, political authority, political government, therefore we cannot have that. The Khulafarashidun were too good for us to follow. It makes no sense. Every human being, who do we follow? We, fo- we try to follow our role models who are the best. Yeah. If you have a role model who's worse than you, you know, then you're, you're kind of, you're going on a, on, a, on a decline. You've already set the bar too low. Um, so it doesn't make sense to say that, oh, we don't have these qualities. No, we're trying to live up to these qualities. And again, we're not going to ever be as good as a Sahaba. But the the fard or the responsibility, the obligation on the Muslim is to be, is to match the level of the Sahaba, is to try and match mm-hmm. the Sahaba. Because we know that, you know, Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. The translation of the meaning of which is, you know, Allah does not burden a soul more than what is capable of. Allah Ta'ala didn't say we have to match the Sahaba um, handprint for handprint and failure to do so will result in and punishment, no, they said, try your best, do what you can, but you need to try. You can't just sit back on your couch all day playing Fortnite and say, oh, I can't learn Arabic, I can't learn, because you're not trying to learn Arabic. Mm-hmm. If you got Fortnite and you started, you know, uh, doing the actions that help you, learn in Arabic, hey, bingo, you know, you end up learning Arabic, it's not, it's not that difficult. Um, and again, you know, isn't something better than nothing? What's best or our solution is not, oh, you know, just a bit more, or he's just better than the next man. I always give the analogy of, imagine you had 10 pedophiles and you have children and you're looking, you're looking for a babysitter to babysit your children. And from the 10 pedophiles, one of them knows how to bake a, a nice chocolate cake. Yeah. You're not going to say, oh, wow, brilliant. Yes, pedophile is the best pedophile. Why? Because he can bake a cake. No problem. Come on, babysit my children. Makes no sense. Yeah. Not the bar. The bar is, I need a babysitter who is going to protect my children, who I can trust, who is going to safeguard them. That's the bar. And in the same way, you know, a leader, any leader who is ruling by kufr, not in the option, not in the equation. Not in the equation at all. The very, the, you know, the minimum, the bare minimum that he's ruling by Islam. And the that he's protecting the honor of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You know, within the remits of Islam by any, you know, even if that means physical um, military force. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't lower ourselves, you know, with Allah has blessed this ummah to be such a great ummah. And we've lowered ourselves that, you know, the, the treacherous government of, of Pakistan, can, for example, can do a tweet a empty tweet and the the you know the ummah's open arms, which by the way is 
a sentiment, an Islamic sentiment of the Ummah, but unfortunately it's not good enough. Yeah, it's not being channel, channeled in, in, in the correct manner. And, you know, this is a quite a defeatist mentality within the Ummah itself. It's like saying, you know, um, this person's doing haram and so is this person doing haram. But I, I respect the first one because he's doing less haram than the second <laughs> person. And, you know, you accept it. No, we shouldn't. And you're right. You know, it's something that we should reject completely. Haram is haram. No matter if it's 99% or even if it's 1%. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I'm just conscious of time. So we've got one comment and one question, inshallah. So the uh, comment is from Brother Kaysan Najib. The capitalist nations often commit assassinations um, if their interests are at stake. And we're all lucky. Uh, and his family are a prime exact, uh, example. The capitalist nations are full of contradictions. If it suits them, they'll do whatever they want, isn't it? And they'll, tr- they'll try to justify it. And the question that we have uh, is from Sister Nafisa Huck. Some may say, isn't the right to speak important in creating change in society and important to raise issues? Surely the fact that you are able to speak today on Facebook and air your views is a positive example of free speech. Over to you, Brother Lukman. Okay, so <clears throat> freedom of speech. Okay, what I didn't let me try to correct something. When I say freedom of speech or the absolute, I said the absolute freedom of speech is a backwards, um, barbaric value. Um, what I did say, I did try to elaborate that we don't have a problem with dialogue, with discussion, with intellectual debate, with you know, um, um, ideas, battling ideas. May the best idea win, bring it on. Bring on, we don't, you know, we're not afraid of a challenge. We're not afraid of debating, of intellectual discourse, of seeing our liberal values uh, superior or our Islamic values superior. No problem. Completely, completely fine. Even, you know, we see uh, at the time of the Imam, for example, Imam Abu Hanifa and the famous debate with the, with the atheists. No problem there. Um, what we do have a problem with is and we shouldn't really call it freedom of speech, it's freedom to insult. That's actually, in, 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 in actuality, that's what it is. Yeah. Freedom to insult, it's a freedom to be rude and uh, mocking people, it's a freedom to, you know, uh, get the beliefs of, you know, what is it now, three or four million people within the UK and 1.8 billion people in the world, it's a freedom to get all their beliefs in one you know, in one place and to absolutely ridicule and mock it and insult it. That's what we're against. And like I said before, you know, the, the, even theoretically, even theoretically, it makes no sense that if the Western nations, if liberalism, you know, is making the argument that it's trying to create a better world, it's trying to create a, you know, um, more safer, more fruitful world, is the freedom to insult and to mock and to ridicule other people, does that lead to peace? Does it lead to harmony? No, it doesn't. It's like um, was it Pope Francis who said, you know, if you insult my mom, I will punch you in the nose. Mm. Pope Francis, yeah? From, 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 from what I can recall. You know, Imran, if, if I said something insulting to you as a human being, you get angry. Mm. You get frustrated, you get irritated. Is that, are you going to be my best friend after that? Of course not. And like I mentioned in the, in the example before, you know, if the white community says something against the black community, if the, you know, Pakistani community says something against the Bangladeshi community, is that going to lead to, you know, oh, you're my best friend now because you insulted me. Thank you very much, uh, Brother Imran, for that insult. Let's go out for some, you know, a cup of tea. Of, of course not. It's a very, very, very 
backwards, very lowly, lowly value. Um, when you actually think about it, you think, wow, this is like, uh, you know, it's barbaric. How dare they point the finger that us saying we're lowly and we're backward and we're barbaric. You are saying to people, I, I remember, sorry, I'm going on a bit. I remember um, Taji, Taji Mustafa's, um, I think it was, I forgot which. Um, channel 4 discussion, wasn't it? Was it Channel 4? Yeah. One of the guys, the opposition, he made such a daft point. Such a daft point. He said, and I quote, something like, you have the freedom to insult me and I have the freedom to be insulted. And I thought, what? Backwards. Backwards. And that, that was the, the thinking elite of the society, just to put it in context. <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah, th- th- this is in the philosophical uh, uh, books of the, you know, the, the philosophers and the, the thinkers at the time. It's like, uh, when you think about it, you think, wow, Islam is, Islam has really, you know, is a blessing for the entire world. Jazakallah right. here for that, Brother Kuman. Um, we are going to end the circle, uh, inshallah, now. Jazakallah here to uh, everyone, for everyone to tuning in. Inshallah, the Friday circle continues next week. I don't know what happened there, but I'll, I'll start again. Technology, you, you got to love it, isn't it? So, as I was saying, Jazakallah here to everyone for tuning into today's circle. Inshallah, the Friday circle continues next week at the new time of 8 p.m. online. I ask all of, from all of you to keep us all in your du'as, to keep the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, in your du'as, to make du'a the oppression that we as an Ummah are under is lifted with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we are blessed with the Rahman of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this earth in the form of the Islamic Khilafah. We will end with the same video that was played at the start. I also want to thank Brother Luqman for, our, uh, for this great discussion today. Jazakallah, hey bro. And Again, to you guys for taking part in the, in, and, and you know tuning in, and um, you guys are up again another week uh, where you guys took part uh, fantastically. Um, inshallah, we'll see you guys next week. Jazakallah, everyone. Kuli kauli haza. Wastakfurullahi Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.